Hey, Anchor family, welcome to our podcast. We wanted to thank you for listening today. We pray this message encourages you, that it inspires you, pray it builds your faith and brings you hope. Enjoy the message. Second Samuel chapter 6. Verse 11. Thus, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Jittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Verse 12, now it was told King David, saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of the Lord. David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Verse 13, And so it was that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. And David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all of the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of a trumpet. Heavenly Father, I ask right now that you would speak to us through your word, that your spirit would remain that he would speak because we're seeking him out. We pray that you do that now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And you can be seated. Hey, today you're in for a treat. This will be my fastest sermon ever. I promised everyone who comes for this Thanksgiving weekend, that they would get a really nice Bible devotion. So that's what this is. We're going to have a you and me time kind of Bible devotion. Is that okay? Okay, let's turn the lights on in the back so I can see some of y'all. There you go. I like to see how y'all look this Thanksgiving. We can turn off the front ones. That's a little too bright. But it's so good to see y'all today. This week, I don't know if you're like me, but it gets kind of nerve-wracking on Thanksgiving when it's time to give thanks. It's really difficult sometimes to sit there. I know what I'm giving thanks for. I'm a pastor. I have Bible verses. I have everything. But I usually go last because I'm going to give thanks and then I'm going to pray. So usually I have to sit there for 10 minutes, 15 maybe 20, depending on who wants to talk a lot, because we're Hispanic, and we're going to talk a lot. Um, I've noticed that during this time when people are giving thanks, I see how difficult it is for them to give thanks. I think a lot of the times it's because we give thanks for the things that we have, And we don't know exactly what we have all the time because a lot of what God does for us, we don't see. I'm going to say that again. A lot of what God does for us, we don't see. There's a place in the Bible, the book of Habakkuk, 
He's upset, and he's crying out to God, and he says something that I think sometimes you and me say. He says, how long? How long, O Lord, will I cry out to you? Have you ever said that? How long, God, am I going to keep praying this prayer? How long am I going to keep asking this of you? How long, he says. And the Bible says that God responds to him and says, hey, Habakkuk. First off, crazy name. But second, he says, never name your kid Habakkuk. I mean, there's a lot of great Bible names. Don't name him Habakkuk. Um, call him Habby. I don't know what we call him. Um, God says to Habakkuk, if I told you everything that I was doing in your life and among the nations, meaning it's bigger than you, how many of y'all are thankful that God's in control of more than just your life? He's in control of everything. He says, if I were to tell you everything, he says, you wouldn't believe it even if I told you. So there are a lot of us who, when it comes to giving God thanks, giving him praise or thanksgiving, it's difficult because we're not really aware of everything that God does. So I'm sitting there watching everyone squirm and get uncomfortable because they don't know what they're going to say. And I start hearing rep- repetition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I'm thankful for my mom. I'm thankful for, you know, uh, my toys. I'm thankful for the fact that here's, here's the famous one. I'm thankful for family. Thankful for my family. You could just, that's that's a pro tip for Thanksgiving. Just say you're thankful for family. Everyone will think you're really sweet and nice. But anyway, I've noticed in our people, they just repeat what everyone else said. That sounds really good. I'm going to say what you say. And so I've realized something. Is that it's not really easy to give God praise when things are hard. It's not easy to give God praise when things are hard. And the title of this little devotion I have for you, 15 minutes, that's it, is this. Giving God praise when it's hard. And if you've ever experienced difficult times, maybe you know what it's like to deal with a struggle within yourself to give God praise The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel that David, we all know David, maybe you've heard of David. David is a king of Israel, and by this time in the book of 2 Samuel, he has defeated the Philistines over and over again. And here's the the sermon note that I didn't have, but I feel like the Spirit wants me to tell you. Do y'all remember when David fought Goliath? Yeah. David was 14, 15 years old when he fought Goliath. And the Bible says that he fought Goliath in this valley. And there was a deal in place between the Philistines and with Israel. And the deal was this. Whoever wins this one-on-one fight, the other army will just leave and will never fight again. That was the deal. Whoever wins this one-on-one battle will win it for their whole country. The other country will just leave and will never fight again. Doesn't sound like a bad deal. Except for David went in, won the battle, the Philistines ran, and the Bible says he beat the Philistines. Now, if you're reading your Bible and you read that scripture, you say, yes, 
He'll never face that enemy again. About 10 verses later, it says, and when David fought the Philistines again, when war with the Philistines broke out again, here's the side note. What is the reward for a victory today? Another battle tomorrow. The realization that we need to have when it comes to giving God thanks is not being surprised when we have to fight another fight tomorrow just because we want to fight today. And sometimes it's the same battle over and it's the same enemy over and over. It's the same opponent over. That's why you have those things in your life you can't seem to get past. And you're wondering why God's not helping. He is helping because you're still here. So you've had some victories. David has beaten the Philistines over and over and over. And he never complains. He just keeps fighting. Chapter 6, we see David. He has just beat the Philistines again, this time doing something significant. He actually beats the Philistines in such a way where he can go and find the Ark of the Covenant, which the Philistines stole from Samuel. See, David was a king, but before David was Samuel, and Samuel had the ark stolen from him by the Philistines, and it was missing. David had just won a battle in chapter 5, a significant battle, so significant that he went to find the ark of the covenant. Now, the ark of the covenant is significant for the Jewish people because it is known to be the place where God's presence would be significant. The temple, the great temple, what we model our churches after, was, was the place where God would meet with the priests, but there was a specific place, very holy. Actually, it was called the Holy of Holies, meaning the most holy place on the earth, outside of anything in that place. There was nothing more holy than this spot, and it's because the, the Ark of the Covenant was there, and the Bible says that God would come down and his presence would sit on on the ark, and he would meet there, his very presence. And it was called the Holy of Holies, and it was a sacred place. Moses would meet God there. The Levite priests would meet God there. And now the Philistines stole this from them, and now David wants to bring it back. I think it's a good thing, right? I mean, we can look at that and say David wants to bring God's presence back into the place where it belongs. I think that's a noble thing. David has great intentions. I'm going to take the ark back. It was stolen from us, and I'm going, to bring it, I'm going to bring it over to Israel and back into the place where it belongs. The Bible says that David makes a mistake. The Bible says he gathers up 30,000 men, and they go to get the ark. They get the ark, and now it's time to carry it back to Jerusalem, and David somehow forgets that God laid out a protocol of what he requires when moving the Ark of the Covenant. There were specific things that you had to do. You had to put poles on it and hold it through poles, and no one was to touch it. No one was to defame it by touching it. And yet David did not remember that this is what God had for them with instructions. And so what he did is he got a cart, and he used this, this cart, and he placed it on there. And they went down the road. And the Bible says in chapter 6 that as they were going down the road, uh, the, it hit a bump, 
and the ark fell, and a man named Uzzah, another bad name, Uzzah, touched it. Now listen, Uzzah is a good man, and he's doing a good thing. He's making sure that the ark does not fall, and yet the Bible says that when he touches it, because he broke the rules that God had for them, he died instantly. Instantly. The Bible says that David then got very upset with God, and actually it says he feared God because then he saw the significance of who God is because God's, God's rules weren't to be messed with. See, David, it says in chapter 2, verses 6, 1 through 10, was willing to move it home, but he wasn't willing to do it God's way. So you can have great intentions, great motives, and still not do things God's way. David thought God would bless him because I'm going to go do this good thing. I am going to go bring back the ark, and yet God had standards. And the Bible says that because David did not do that, a man died. Now, David was scared. We're going to start in verse 10. And David was unwilling, verse 10, to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. David's scared. He says, no, no, I can't do it. I can't take the ark with me because what did the ark just do? Killed somebody. So guess what? I won't take the, the, that thing, the, the ark, I can't take it with me. Now, we know David as being a man after God's own heart. He loved God. He was a worship leader. He was a singer, a songwriter, a king. And he had this intimacy with God. And yet right here he realized God is still holy. And I don't know that I understand fully how to handle that. So David is upset. He's unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. But David, I'm going to stop there. Did you see that word? David was unwilling. Meaning he could have, but he was unwilling. I like that the Bible tells us that about David and moving the ark with him. He was unwilling to take it with him. Some of us, we know what we should do, but we're unwilling to do it. We know what God asks of us, and the thing that he asks of us is a good thing. Bringing the ark home is a good thing. It's the very presence of God. Taking the presence of God into your home, in, into your life, and into the way that you live is a good thing. But are you willing? David was unwilling. David said, I can't do it. I'm unwilling to do it, so because this thing is kind of dangerous, I won't do it. I'm unwilling. We'll let someone else do it. How about you? That's what David says. He was unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Notice, the city of David, that is his city. It is his home. And he's saying, it ain't coming with me. It's dangerous. Can I just tell you something about God's call on your life, the presence, it requires you to understand, understand his holiness and how he wants you to respond to his call on your life and how you deal with his holy things. Because David was now in charge of handling the holy thing. And so David was afraid to do that. Most of us, we, we don't want to get too 
too dedicated to God because we're not good enough. And I have a lot of sin and I make a lot of mistakes. So I'm just not going to give so much of myself because I know that I make mistakes. That's what's happening with David. David's like, no, no, no. It killed Uzzah. I don't want it to kill me. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep God at a hand's length. I'm going to keep God. He's, I've already brought him halfway, but I have, I'm not taking him all the way in my home. How many of us take God halfway? How many of us take God halfway out of this place, into the car, up the road, but we stop right before we get home? How many of us take God with us all the way home, but then we don't take it into our home? Once we open the door, we take it to our driveway, but we don't take it into our foyer. We don't take it into our living rooms. We don't take it to our kids' rooms. David said, "I, I, I don't think I can handle it. If it killed Uzzah, ooh. David said, I'm unwilling to do it. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. Poor guy. Hey, man, this thing just killed somebody because they got too close. We ain't taking it. We're leaving it with you. This guy, Obed-Edom, was was a priest. He wouldn't just leave it with anybody. He was a priest. And he was a priest. That that name, Edom, Obed-Edom, is the Hebrew word for red, which is used to describe his lineage, he comes from, he comes from Isaac, Jacob's brother, Isaac the hunter, Isaac the one who came out red when he was born. He is a part of the family, but he's kind of outcast. So we're going to stick him with Obed-Edom. Bible says, to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. You know where, you know, this is kind of funny, side note. You know where Obed-Edom lived? His house was located on the southwest side of Jerusalem. No joke. This man was from the southwest. I don't care what city you're in. Any city, when you get to the southwest, it's kind of ghetto. It's kind of ghetto. When I was young, we stayed away from the southwest because there was a bunch of southwest cholos. And we stayed away from the SWC, I'm just saying. This guy wasn't in the best neighborhood. And yet they chose to put God's presence, you got to see it, in a place where you probably wouldn't want to stick it in the first place. And I want you to see what happens when you take a risk of taking God's presence into your home no matter how much you're ashamed of your home, no matter how much you're ashamed of what might be there, the difficulty, the struggle, it's not as nice as David's, David's home. It's not as nice as the temple in the city of David. This is Obed-Edom on the southwest side. Timmy Chan's is right next door. And, and right now, God's presence is there. Thus the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. Hey, hey, stop hesitating to take God home. Stop hesitating to bring him into your home. Does it matter the state of your home? It doesn't matter how much you feel unworthy of his presence. Take him with you. Because when you take them with you, blessings come. Come on. Blessings come. 
It says, it remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and what? All of his household. Hey, husbands, if you were to take the initiative, you don't know what that would do to all of your household. We don't hear about Odom-Edom's wife or his children, but we know that they're blessed. We know that they're blessed, and it's because of Obed-Edom's ability to look past what people might say about his lineage. What, what do people say about you that hold you back from fully devoting yourself to following God? Is it because of the things that you've done? Is it because of the things that have been done to you? Is it because of the labels that have been put on you? Obed-Edom went all the way and God blessed them. Oh, what God would do if we would be unafraid of allowing him fully accessing our homes and who we are. Three months and the Lord blessed Odom, Edom, and all of his household. I told you this is just a Bible study. I'm not preaching and screaming, but I need you to get this. Now, verse 12, it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed, Edom, and all that belongs to him on account of what? The ark of God. They're like, man, David, yo, Obed, Edom is blessed, blessed. Like everything he has is blessed. And it's not because that man is making more money. It's not because that man has a higher position at work. So it's, it's because of the ark. Don't miss this. I need you to see it. What could have happened in Odom, Edom's house for everyone to know that he was blessed? Obviously, things probably increased if he had, if he had crops. It probably increased. If he had income, it probably increased, Right? If he had family, what, what's, what could be good with family? They could be healthy all of a sudden. If they were sick all the time, like me, I have to take a, um, what is it called? A Claritin every day. If I don't take a Claritin, I will be itchy. It's the way it is in my life right now. It, to me, this reminds me of just something practical. Well, maybe the people in Obed-Edom's house, maybe somebody had to take Claritin, and because the ark was there, now they don't have to take Claritin. Things are great. Things are good. Things are going so well, and people are realizing it's not because of Obed-Edom. It's because of God. Oh, what I would give for people to see that kind of blessing in my life where they would say, it's not because he's good. It's not because he's working hard or because his boss did well. It's not because he chose the right soil or he got this new, this new calf that's going to help him pull the plow. It's not because he has this new watering method with his crops. It's not because they, they, have, they, they eat good food there. They're all healthy. It's because of God. It's because of God. It says that because he invited this into his home, the whole house was blessed, and then David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obadiah into the city of David with gladness. David's like, yo, no, no, no. I can't let this stay with Obadiah. I'm glad he's blessed, but this belongs with me. This belongs with me and for the people to experience because they were going to put it in the temple for everyone to experience the presence of God. I love that David actually has a little bit of like holy jealousy. Like I want that kind of relationship and intimacy with God where he says, I want to experience that. And listen, I want to experience a, a higher level of intimacy with God. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
There's nothing wrong with wanting to experience a deeper intimacy and a deeper fellowship and more blessing from God. And, and I think as we, as we exit this year and as we go into a new year, that should be on the top of your list of things you want in your life. A deeper intimacy, a closer fellowship with him. And then as a result, God's blessing. See how I said that? I didn't say I want God's blessing. You didn't see it. I didn't say the first thing on my list is I want to experience more money, a better job. I want to experience health. I said, no, no, no. The first thing is I got to get the presence of God with me and have more intimacy first. With that then comes, I think there's a Bible verse that says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. I think we have it wrong. We seek God's blessing. We don't seek, hey, we don't seek his presence. We don't seek intimacy. We want things from God, but we don't want God. And what if you just decided, I want God? I want him this year. I want more of him. I want fellowship with him. I want him in my home. I want my children to experience it, my spouse to experience it. And then, I think this is the word, indubitably, <laughs> blessings will follow. It says that David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom. And he did it with gladness. When in verse 7 or 8, he says that he was angry and he was fearful, but now he does it with gladness. And I think I know why. Because he did his research in these three months. And he remembered that there is a process that God requires. He remembered that God had listed out what he wanted to be done when it comes to moving the ark. See, because David expected God to bless his efforts. He expected God to bless his efforts. So he stayed away from obedience. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this, God, but I'm going to stay away from obedience. He learned that obedience is more important than good intentions. And that's why he's glad, because now he knows I have the formula. I know what I need to do. And I would venture to say that each and every one of you, you know what you need to do. I would say that it, doesn't come, it won't come as a surprise to you if I were to say to you, what do you think that you need to do? I think you would know. And because David knew, now he was glad. So listen, there's no need to be sad as this year ends. Now you can be glad because you know what you have to do as you pursue God's presence and eventually all the things that God wants you to have will follow. David is glad. Verse 13, and so it was that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. I want to park right here and we're done. I'm told you it's fast. We're out of here. He says, and so it was when the bearers of the ark, oh, now they don't have it on a cart. Now they have the people holding it the right way. They're following the procedure. And the Bible says that after they had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. And David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. David said, okay, listen, we're going to do this the right way. As we go back 
to Israel, every time we take six steps, we're going to stop. And after we stop, we're going to sacrifice something to God, and we're going to give him praise, and we're going to give him worship, and then we're going to pick the ark back up, and we're going to take six more steps, three, four, five, six, and then we're going to stop, and then we're going to sacrifice another animal, and then we're going to give God praise, and we're going to do this all the way back. Remember I said that the title of this message was Praising God When It Gets Hard. Okay. This is important for you and for me right here, and I hope I can explain it really simply so you can apply it. David's stopping his progress and giving praise. Most of us, when we see progress stop, we don't give praise. Most of us, when progression in our life slows down, we get upset, we don't give praise. David is manufacturing a stopping. He said, no, 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 this is what we're going to do. We're going to go six steps, then we're going to stop, and then we're going to praise. I feel like if I was there and I was with those people, I would get tired of having to praise every six steps. Like, oh my God, okay, six, we just did this, and we just sacrificed it, and now we're doing it again, and we just did this, and we, we did a sacrifice, and we're doing it again. I could just imagine their frustrations, because David is saying every single six steps we take, we're going to stop. And listen, I want you to understand what David is doing here. What David is saying is, listen, we're not going to wait until we get to Jerusalem to give God praise. We're not going to wait until we get there to give God praise. We're going to do it on the way. You don't see it, you'd be shouting amen. David is saying, God doesn't just deserve prayer, praise when I get to where I want to get. God deserves praise as I'm on my way to there. He says, I'm not waiting until we get to Jerusalem to throw the party. We're going to go and give him praise every six steps of the way. He says, because if I wait until I get there to give God praise, I might not make it. So I'm going to give God praise now. I ain't waiting until I get there. And some of us, we're waiting. I'll wait until I give God my praise. Until things get right in my life. I'll wait to give God praise until everything gets good in my life. I'll wait until I arrive. I'll wait until I get that, that promotion. I'll wait until things look good. I'll wait until he finally comes through for me and my family. And then I'll really give God my praise. No, David is saying, I'm not waiting until I get to Jerusalem to give him praise. I am praising on the way to Jerusalem. The Bible says, One day, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. We should not be waiting until the moment that Jesus comes to give him praise. We should be giving him praise now. You and and me, we shouldn't wait to give him praise just because things are difficult. We should, here it is, stop. That's such a difficult thing for us to do today. Stop. We're so busy, we're always moving, we got things to do, and we got things we gotta accomplish, and we got we got money we have to make, and we got moves we gotta do, and we got weight that we have to lose, and we got things that we have to accomplish. And and and, and here it says, David, how long do you think this trip took? David said, No, 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 I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to be patient. 
if it means that I give God praise. And I think that you and I, if we would learn to give God praise for the six simple steps we took, we'd have more reason to praise when things get hard. You say, well, I didn't get what I want. I haven't accomplished everything that I have and everything that I have on my list. And I I talked to a friend this week and he was like, man, I had a list of things I wanted to do this year and I couldn't accomplish it and I'm so upset. And I'm like, yeah, but didn't you do this and didn't you have this and didn't you experience this? He's like, yeah. So, man, give God praise for that. Give God praise for the things that he's done for you, even though you haven't arrived yet. And you and me, if you took six steps this week, even though it might not seem like a lot, I took a few steps in the right direction. I took a few steps in the way that I should go. I took a few steps in the way that I know that I should be headed. And because of that, I'm going to stop and give God praise. If we would have the routine of stop and go praise, It's going to stop, and I'm going to give God praise for the small distance he's brought me. Even though it's not the biggest distance, I'm going to praise him for the six steps. Come on, I'm going to praise him for the, the business that we started. And it may not be exactly where we want it to be, but hey, we started it, and we're moving in the right direction. And hey, I'm going to give him praise for my children actually improving a little bit in school. They're not where they need to be, but they're improving some. I'm going to give him praise because I still have my job. And there are people that I know that don't have a job. And I'm, I'm going to give God praise because I still have breath in my lungs. I know five people that passed away this year, and I still have life in me, and I'm going to give God praise. Would you give God praise for the six? you give God praise for the six? How do, you, how do you give God praise when things get hard? Stop. And look at where he brought you from. We may not be there yet, but I know we're not where we used to be. And I've taken six steps. The Bible says... David did not wait till he got to Jerusalem. He praised him on the way. And David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. Let's get the band up here. And let's end this night. This is verse 14. And David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. I just want to point this out to you. Why don't you stand up with me real quick? Stand up with me as we end. Told you, fastest, fastest Bible study you'll ever get from me. Real quick, just something for those of you who are struggling with giving God praise. For those of you who are struggling with giving God praise when things get hard, I want you to see this verse. And David was dancing before the Lord with all of his strength. Now, I've been in a couple worship services, and I know that we don't worship God with all our strength. I know we don't. I don't know if you do it in the shower or you do it in the car, if you do it at home. But I think that this is probably the place, probably the only place where you have some worship music going on. I hope it's not. But I would have to say, if I guess that you did not worship as much during the week as you do, as you would like to do. Here's David. He's worshiping. He says he's dancing and worshiping with all of his strength. How and why? It's my question all the time. Why and how? 
And David was wearing a linen ephod. David was dancing before the Lord with all of his strength. And David was wearing a linen ephod. That's why. See, David, a linen ephod, what is that? A linen ephod was a priestly garment. An ephod was something that a priest would put on. And David is wearing it. Now, David is not a priest. He's a king. And typically, kings would not put on ephods. Wouldn't do it. And David is not just wearing an ephod. He's wearing a linen ephod. He's wearing one that's kind of like at the bottom of the list of ephods. Because ephods used to have jewels on them. They were gold and they were jewels. And then there was a lowly version of one. It was linen. Now here is David. Just beat the Philistines. He's got the Ark of the Covenant. It's coming back home. If I was David and I wanted to act like a priest, I think I would put on the one made of gold and jewels. But he wore a linen ephod. Now, I don't want you to miss this. What David is doing is he's humble, putting on a linen ephod, taking the place of a priest, meaning I'm putting something on, which means I have to take something off. What did David have to take off in order to put on the ephod? His king's robes. That's right. I want you to see this. In order for you to be able to give God praise when things get hard, at some point, you have to take off the kingly robes and put on the linen ephod. Meaning, the pride has to go. The accomplishment, all of that. If you're going to give God praise, it's going to come from a place of humility. I don't deserve everything I have, but I have things. And today I'm choosing to put down my kingly robes and to put on this linen ephod, this priestly gown. The Bible says that you and I, we are now a priestly nation. It's who we are because of Jesus. You and I can put on our priestly robes and put down our king's garments. And it's in those moments you'll find freedom because you're no longer thinking about you and what you do and what you're striving for and what you want to accomplish but you are wholly embodying somebody whose whole focus what is the focus of a priest God David is saying I'm no longer thinking of myself I'm no longer thinking of my blessings I'm no longer thinking of what I can gain I am only focused on God and if you want to be able to give praise when things get hard. It's time to take off the kingly robes and put on the priestly linen ephod and focus completely on him. And you'll find reasons to praise. I'll give you another reason to praise. This right here is a, is a foreshadow of something. 
the Bible says that we serve a king who was also a priest. Is Jesus. Right here, this David that you see that was a king but also a priest, never been done before. It would be done through Jesus. He is our king. He is our priest. And if you want a reason to give God praise, when things get hard, you think of Jesus. You think of the fact that he was a king, and yet he came down and he died for you. You remember the fact that he was a king, and yet he came down and became a priest so that he would become an intercessor for you and for me, so that we would be able to have fellowship with God, so that we would have forgiveness in, of our sins, because as the priest does the work of helping the people get forgiveness, given of their sins so did Jesus Jesus did the work so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins and you should be shouting and giving him a praise because you and I we don't deserve it you and I we don't deserve what he's done he is our king he is our priest and he brings us back to a place of fellowship with God and that's how we can give God praise when things get hard well, thank you so much for joining us today and listening to this message. We trust that God will use this to speak to you and meet you where you are. Thank you so much for supporting this church through listening to us on Spotify. You can continue to stay connected with us to be in the know about what's happening here at The Anchor by following us on Facebook and Instagram at YourAnchorHTX. If you'd like to begin partnering with us financially, we invite you to visit our site at YourAnchor.org slash give it's because of you and your generosity that we can reach the lost and deliver the hope of jesus to people around the world so we thank you anchor family we love you we are praying for you and we will see you next week